Good morning. We are grateful for the good crowd assembled here together this morning. We're thankful for your presence being with us, whether you are a member or visiting with us. And if you are visiting with us, though, we'd love for you to hang around for a few moments so we can get to meet you and know you at the end of our services as we conclude this morning. But we are grateful that you are here. I asked Bob if he wanted me to get up before him and announce that the preacher gave his credence or okay for a long announcements. Uh, but he said he would just do his best. And we appreciate Bob and uh, his announcements and his care for everyone and so much that's going on here. There's a lot that's happening not only today, but in the coming weeks. We'd like for you to remember all that. One thing that, that uh, was not mentioned, and, and Corey Cirillo had sent uh, Hannah a text message this morning, but we're going to try to pack our Erlanger bags on a Wednesday night. Now, that's a little odd. We usually try to catch it on Sunday night after services. With the fruit baskets and all, we're going to try to do those Wednesday night before services, about 6.15. So I'll, I'll say it again tonight in our announcements, but if you could try to be here Wednesday night just a little bit early, we'll try to get those packed. That is just one of the, the things that we do here that we try to uh, encourage other people with. Not necessarily in an evangelistic sense, but just in trying to help others and meet their needs. And we want to uh, partake in that on Wednesday night. Let me say as well just another note about our fruit baskets this evening. We'd love for you to stay. We absolutely want everyone to stay. We'd love for you to bring food and stay for a time of fellowship. But if you can't stay, we'd love for you to, to if you can't stay and eat, we'd love for you to stay and at least maybe help pack the baskets and then take those. What we want to do is have a list of those who they need to be delivered to, and we'd like, of course, for that to be shared amongst us all. So if you don't plan to stay and eat, that's all right, although we'd like for you to, but please plan to stay and help pack the baskets, then maybe take one or two. If we all take just a couple of names each and deliver those during the course of this week, then we'll be able to get that accomplished. And of course, it obviously provides you an opportunity, as well as all of us who would take one, to spend a few moments maybe with visiting with someone and encourage them. Uh, so we will have names, and if you would plan to stay, at least for the fruit basket part, and maybe to be able able to deliver those uh, during the coming week in this holiday season. If you've got your Bible, you can be turning to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18 and verses 1 through 5. Matthew 18, 1 through 5. We begin with a reading this morning here and it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. It's that time of year where we maybe think a little more about children uh, even Friday morning, driving here to the building for a little while, listening to the radio, the radio station, we're talking about being uh, at the Walmarts in the area, the different Walmarts, and collecting money for the Forgotten Child Fund, and we think about uh, raising money and giving money, and we're doing that same kind of thing here and supporting uh, young children. It's a time of year where we think about uh, this special time and giving gifts, and so we think about our children maybe a little more during this season. But this morning we want to ask the question... Of course, from the passage that we just read, are you like a child? Are you like a child? Now, that's a little bit, as preachers sometimes ask, a little bit of a loaded question. And we're going to see that through the thrust of our lesson this morning. But are you like a child? You see, again, from verses 1 through 4, specifically verse number 3, Jesus says, unless you become as little children. Now, we talk sometimes in our lessons about the things that Jesus says that are pretty cut and dry, plain and simple. He says, repent or perish. 
Not a lot of wiggle room in that. Not a lot of room to try to find out what he means when he says repent or perish. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Not a lot of wiggle room there. He says we have to become as little children, which makes the question, are you like a child, seem you know, a little more exact for us. He says in verse number four, whoever humbles himself as this little child. So we have to be like children. But when we think about that, that raises some possibilities. If you've got your bulletin in front of you and you're following along with the outline, right underneath the verses, there's some blanks. That first set of blanks is the words, or are the words negative traits, if you want to fill that in. Because this morning, we want to think about the fact that it may be possible that as children, they have, children have negative and positive traits. Now, if you're filling out your outline again, as you write negative traits there under the first section, you can look down below. This is not on the screen, so I wanted to make sure you got it. But the second section this morning, we're going to talk about positive traits. So you can go ahead and fill those in. And what we want to do this morning is consider the fact that, yes, children are wonderful. Children are blessings. They're great. They provide us lots of humor and a lot of encouragement many times. But children have some negative traits about them, even with the positive traits. But is it possible as we think about becoming like children that we need to consider both the negative traits and the positive traits? So as you write those things down this morning, we want to consider what they, what some of those things are and how that applies to us. Because Jesus says we have to become like children. So it may be possible that we need to consider exactly the good and the bad of children, of course, as we take that under consideration this morning. First and foremost... If you've got your outline there, the first negative trait we want to think about is complaining. Now, Faith and I had a little tussle in the, on the bulletin on Friday because we ran out of room. So I didn't get the word whining there on your bulletin, but I like the word whining. I don't like it when my kids do it, but I like to think about that because that kind of encompasses what we do sometimes. You know, everybody likes the complaint department. We like to take our complaints to the complaint department. I don't think many people want to work in the complaint department though, right? Although we may be forced to sometimes. But it's possible with the complaining and the whining that children sometimes do uh, that we can do the same thing as well. Uh, When we think about our children, sometimes that's all we think about is the negative sense of how they can complain and whine about things. And of course, this time of year in that special season we're talking about, we, we get to threaten them a little more, you know, don't complain or whine or, you know, Santa Claus will hear you or you may not get the presents. But yet we know that sometimes children are very good at that. Maybe you've been in your car or around children, and you've heard things like, do we have to go there? I don't want to play with them, or I don't like to play with them. Are we there yet? Are we done yet? I don't want to do that. We can go on and on with the things that we sometimes hear from our children and the way that they are good at complaining. It doesn't even take a car ride, which sometimes is where some of these come out, But it doesn't even take a good car ride to hear some of these things uttered sometimes by children. They like to complain and whine. But I ask you this morning to very seriously consider, have you ever heard, do we have to go to that gospel meeting? I don't like to spend time with so-and-so or so-and-so. I don't want to be around them very much. This is not kids I'm talking about, but you and me. Have you ever heard, is worship over yet? I wish he would hurry up and sit down. Maybe you've heard as well, I don't have time. I don't want to read. I don't want to study. 
That's supposed to be read there, sorry for the typo, but I don't want to read or study or pray. You see, sometimes we complain and whine, and we put up pictures sometimes that really hits home with us. And we think about kids. Maybe this kind of image brings to mind somewhere that you've been in the aisle at Walmart or at the mall or maybe in your car or on vacation, and you think about a kid acting and having this look on their face. But if we're being honest, sometimes we may not make that same face but we do the same kind of thing. I don't want to go to the event the church is having. I don't want to have to be around those people. I don't want to have to sit through two hours of worship on a Sunday. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Kids are pretty good at complaining sometimes. And so are adults. When we think about a good reason to complain, we know one person in particular. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, first of all, in verses 11 through 13 talks about this idea of not complaining, although he had a good reason to complain. We know verse 13, but beginning back in verse 11, he says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. See, that's the, that's the medicine for whining, right? We tell kids, you need to be content. Stop whining about things or complaining, be content. Paul says, I know how to be a base. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And we know, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But if anybody had a good reason to complain, it was Paul. We think as well about 1 Timothy chapter 6 there, verses 6 through 10. He says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be Content. There's that word again. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. This idea of being content. If anybody had a reason to complain, it was Paul and all the things that he went through, not only mentally but certainly physically. But yeah, he said, we need to be content. We need to cut out the complaining and the whining and be content with the things that we have. Again, it's that time of year where we give gifts and receive gifts, and it's sometimes easy to get caught up in maybe just a little bit of greediness, just a little bit of what I want and what I would like to have. We need to learn to be content in all these things. As well, if you've got your Bible, you might turn over to the book of Jude and verse number 16. This is not Paul, of course, speaking here, but Jude 16 the Bible says, these are grumblers, complainers. Now I've got the new King James in front of me. I don't know if you thought the Bible used the word complaining, but it does. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they mouth, they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. We need to be careful when we should be like children that we're not when it comes to complaining or whining. Yeah, we like to look at children and say they do a lot of that. But if we're real honest, as adults, sometimes we take on that same negative characteristic. Number two this morning, as far as negative traits, think for just a moment about being disobedient. Children are sometimes disobedient. A part of children being a disobedient, though, sometimes for them, is that they are learning about the world around them. I'll never forget the time that I learned how an iron is hot. I learned it because I touched it when I was told not to. See, sometimes children are disobedient, but they're learning. Sometimes they're testing things. They're pushing the boundaries, but they're learning about the world around them. 
So what excuse do you have? Or what excuse do I have as adults sometimes when we push boundaries and test things and we are disobedient even though we know how the world works, even though we know how things go, but yet we're sometimes disobedient as well. You see, we have to step on toes. We have to step on my own toes because sometimes we are disobedient and we don't have a good excuse. I mean, there's no reason. I know better than to do that. I'm not a child, but yet I choose to be disobedient. So yes, while children are that way, and they shouldn't be, sometimes they're learning about the world around them. But as adults, we have to be careful that we're just not being disobedient. We need to be obedient. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. We talk about being obedient. And we always talk about the balance between being, uh, being a person who's checking the boxes. That's not exactly what we're talking about. But he says, he who does the will, he who is obedient. So just as Jesus said, we need to be obedient. But Jesus is not the only one. Peter says it as well in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 13 through 16. He talks about keeping, or excuse me, resting your hope upon the grace. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 13 through 16. He talks about being as obedient children in verse number 14. As obedient children. So Peter reminds us as well that children are to be obedient. But guess what? We need to be like children in this sense. We need to be obedient, not disobedient. So Jesus said it. Peter said it. But Paul warned us as well. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 3 through 8. He warned about those who would be disobedient. You may recall the image here. This idea of Jesus coming again and taking vengeance. On those who do not obey. In verse number 8, he says, On those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul warned that we should be obedient and not disobedient. We need to obey that. And then certainly as well, just as Jesus did. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be made equal with God. But going down to verse number 8, he humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient, even to the point of the death on the cross. So Jesus said it. Peter said it. Paul warned us about it. But then Jesus even did it. See, he is the example for us. He does give us the idea, he does not just say those things, but he lived it out. He lived it out every day, but even to the point of the death upon the cross. As we think about our lives and we think about the children that are in our lives and the children that we come in contact with, they're sometimes good at complaining and whining. They're sometimes good at being disobedient. But what about us? I would submit those are negative traits that we try to help them overcome. But even as adults, when we find ourselves doing those things, we need to avoid those negative characteristics. But there are some positive things. First, this morning, when we think about positive traits that children have, they can sometimes be humble. You know, I think we all understand what humility is. But practicing humility sometimes is a different story. Again, we think about the good things that happen to us. Sometimes it's, it's hard not to be bragging about those things. And there's, there's a difference between being confident or happy about something and bragging about it. But we need to be humble. For all of us, it can be easy to think that we have it all figured out. 
that we've got it all under control. But we remember the, remember the words of the writer of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18, that when we have this pride, when we think we've got it all figured out, all those things lead us to a fall. See, we need to be humble in our lives. And that is hard for us sometimes to admit that maybe we need to put ourselves back. We need to put others in front of ourselves. We certainly need to put God and Jesus in front of ourselves. And it's hard for us sometimes to be humble. We like to think that we kind of can do it on our own. We've got it all figured out. But we need to be very careful so we don't find ourselves falling flat on our face. When we think about humility, there are a lot of backwards things that Jesus said. Of course, by backwards, we think about things that don't make sense to us, that would seem to go against the way that the world would have us to believe about things. But perhaps there was none as confusing as this idea of being humble. He said it in several different places. We're going to look at a couple of those. But it always sounds a little backwards to us. And that's what I think makes it sometimes hard for the world to grasp. Where people want to, to step upon each other and, and rise to the top as quickly as they can. Doing whatever it takes. Stepping on top of people to get there. But when we think about what Jesus said, it was kind of the opposite. First of all, in Matthew chapter 20, he said that the first shall be last. Matthew chapter 20, we won't take the time to read this entire section, but Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28, he talks about how the first shall be last. But in that section as well, he talks about how the greatest shall be the least. Again, the world spends its time promoting the idea that we should be on top, that we should be first, that we should be the greatest. Jesus says those who would do so would want to be that shall be the least or last at the end. As well, it is not Matthew, just only in Matthew 20, but Matthew 23 and verse 11. The servant shall be the master. Jesus says, but he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Again, it doesn't exactly make sense with us. It doesn't quite connect. Because if we, we have designated in our minds masters and servants. And we see the difference. We say, well, nobody wants to be the servant. That's not what Jesus says. And of course, in Luke chapter 14 and verse 11 as well, we see that the humble are exalted. The humble are lifted up. Again, it doesn't always make sense because sometimes when we think of humility, we think of being weak. But in Luke 14 and 11, Jesus says, For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. See, sometimes children can be humble about things. And that's a characteristic that we should look at and try to emulate in our lives. It's not always easy because sometimes children don't know any better. Sometimes they don't know any better, so they're humble about things. But as we learn about the world around us and we grow, we begin to take a little pride in what we've done. We've kind of puff out our chest and think about all, all the hard work that we put into things. We forget to humble ourselves. We forget to be servants. We forget to be last. And that is when we will fall. The characteristic of humility is good, not only in children, but even as adults, may we seek to find ways and strive to find ways to be humble in our lives. It extends to the workplace. It extends to our home. It extends to our congregation. Anywhere and everywhere and in all things, we should strive to be humble because then Jesus says that is when we will be exalted. And then finally this morning, we think about being dependent. Being dependent. Well, a lot of times in our lives, especially as we think about being adults and growing, we seek to be independent. And that's what we want. We want to be independent. Sometimes we say that about our children. You know, that one, that particular child, maybe if you had multiple, is, is our independent one. Already trying to do things on his or her own. But oftentimes in our life, we seek independence. 
The only time we like to be called dependent is on our taxes. Because then it usually works out in our favor if we're considered a dependent sometimes. But many times our children are dependent upon us. And we see that. We think about a baby. A baby, of course, is totally and utterly dependent. If we were to lay a baby down and walk away, it would just simply lay there. It could not do anything for itself. It's dependent upon people and parents and adults to move them around, to feed them, to do things for them. But they continue to grow. We think about toddlers who are learning. They, they still have diapers. Of course, they still need food given to them. They can't find those things on their own. They can't change their own diaper, but they're learning. They're beginning to grow, but they're still dependent. We think about a child then. As they kind of grow up in age, they begin to grow again, doing more things. Maybe you can say, go find your own breakfast. You know, go look in the pantry for whatever you want there. They're growing and they're learning along those lines. They're becoming less dependent upon us. But many times, children are dependent. And of course, then they become teenagers and we're not even going to talk about that. We don't have a teenager in our house yet, so we're not even going to talk about teenagers. Because they then they are dependent, but they don't want to think they're dependent, I think is the way that it oftentimes goes. But we see this growth and we think about our lives and children are dependent upon us. Upon adults and older people to do things for them. Are we dependent? Do we rely upon others for support or more specifically thinking about God? Think about a few examples with me this morning. Man says that I can earn my own salvation. I'm dependent or independent, excuse me. I'm independent. I don't need God. That's not what God says in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. Jesus, or excuse me, Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. See, man says, I can earn my own salvation. I can do it on my own. I don't need anybody else. I certainly many times don't need God. God says, it is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Many times we're thankful for that. But oftentimes we think about how many times we can do it on our own. What we've been able to do. Man says, I'll turn to my friends for help with, with drugs or alcohol or other things. I, I can do it on my own. But, but Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And even on into verse 30, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Friends, people say, I'll turn to my friends. My friends can help me with these things. I, I can do it on my own, or, or maybe I'll go to my friends. But, but Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's in me that you can find rest. You see, we need to rely upon God for our things. We need to rely upon Jesus for things. Man sometimes says, you know, I'll work a little harder. You know, I, there's not enough, and, and I'll just work a little harder. I'll put in a little more time. I'll spend a little more time at the office. I'll do just a little bit more work, and I'll try to get it done. But, of course, God says in James chapter 1 and verses 5 and 6, if any of you lacks, James says here, wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Maybe it's not just work. Maybe it's not just money. Maybe, maybe I can learn a little bit more on my own. I, I can just study a little harder. I, I can just go through a little bit more. I can be a little bit stronger. James says that if we lack, and if we lack wisdom, we need to ask of God. God gives liberally. God gives to all. 
We can have what we need through Him if we rely upon Him. If we are dependent upon Him. Many times we just want to be independent. But we need to be dependent upon God. Man sometimes says, I'll figure it out. I'll make it work. I don't know what it is, but again, if it's more time in the office, if it's more time at home, whatever it is, I'll make it work. And of course, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, and there's, that's two chapters up there because of all that's included there. Matthew chapter 6 and 7, the, the latter part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives so many encouraging moments where he talks about, again, relying upon him. His way is the way. Leaning upon Him will help us with these things. If we will rely upon His rest, upon His guidance, the wise man who built his house, built it upon the rock, not upon the sand. Upon the foundation of Jesus, not upon ourselves. Man many times says, I'll figure it out, I'll make it work. Jesus says, come to me. Jesus says, rely upon me. Build upon me. And then you will be dependent But then you can find that rest. And of course, man says many times, I will find my way into heaven. And the great words of Jesus there in John 14, 1 through 6, after he's just given that great example of washing the disciples' feet in chapter 13, chapter 14, he says, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Man says, I can do it. I'll figure it out. I'll try a little harder. I'll work a little more. I'll put a little more time in. I will find my own way into heaven. But Jesus says, no, I I will go and prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is only through Jesus and relying upon him, becoming dependent upon him, that we can find that home in heaven. So I ask you again this morning, as we conclude our lesson, are you like a child? There's a lot of different characteristics that we could have talked about this morning. Many that are negative and many that are positive. We've taken a look at just four to consider if we are really like a child. That's not exactly something that we consider a lot, but we should. Even this morning, from the words of Jesus, that we need to become as children. Not complaining, not whining, not disobedient, but dependent upon him. Humble as we should be. And the list could go on and on. This morning, as we conclude our lesson and we extend the Lord's invitation, we ask you to consider the answer to this question. Are you like a child? How is your relationship as a child with God the Father? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never obeyed the simple plan of salvation. Oftentimes we call it the steps of salvation. It's a process that one needs to go through. God doesn't just strike us and we become gospel obedient. We need to go through these things. We need to hear the word. We need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died for our sins. We need to repent of our sins, turn away from them completely, and confess that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that He died for our sins. You see, that's one of those things that Jesus said as well that is plain and simple. Confess me before men, and I will confess you before my Father. That's comforting. He said some things that are hard to do, but that's one that's very comforting. And then we are ready to be baptized for the remission of our sins. Sometimes we call these the steps. They don't always have to go in the exact order that we oftentimes list them on the screen. But of course, it's when we are baptized, we come in contact with the blood of Christ that washes away our sins and the Lord adds us to his church and we can begin living faithfully. Maybe you're here this morning and you've done that before, but you've wandered away. You've become wayward. We think about the example of those in Acts chapter 8 who were told to repent and pray for forgiveness. 
And we know that God is faithful to do just that. We need, as James says, to confess our faults to one another. Even as we talked about last week and we had the great example from our sister Debbie to confess our faults, to admit that we need help because we're not here to laugh at each other. We're not here to seem weak. We're here to support one another. God is faithful to do that. We're thankful to God for that. We're thankful for his son. As we are about to sing this song of encouragement, we can ask you to consider your life and your relationship as a child to God the Father. Do you need to become a Christian? Do you need to come back to him? Do you need the prayers prayers of this congregation? We'll be singing to encourage you as we stand together and as we sing.